old school approach. Do your homework. So read some of the basic books. You can go out and, you know, if you just Google best books to read to get started in finance and you'll, you know, we just mentioned a couple of them. There's probably a bunch more. Think about your risk tolerance. Welcome to the Wealth Matters podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. I am going to talk to Mr. Henry Das today. Henry is a business and finance coach. I do want to learn from him a lot about finance as well as business today. He uh, published a 432-page book on everything you need to know about how to grow and manage your money. And I'm looking forward to learn that and read that book in next 30 minutes. <laughs> so welcome, Henry. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell us something invest, uh, interesting or funny about yourself. Interesting or funny. Um, I tell you what, uh, one of my hobbies is I'm a screenwriter. So I've oh, written okay. 11, I've written 11 screenplays. No, none of them have been made into a movie. Hollywood, I have a place very high in in contests, including one um, done by the Oscar people. Wow. Um, but it's really, uh, you know, it's one of these things that my friends say, don't quit your day job, dude. It's like, it's a lot of fun. It could be the next Iron Man movie. Come on. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it actually comes in really handy in um, in business, in writing. You know, the three-act structure, being able to tell a story and have interesting characters. Uh, there's a really a lot to be learned from, um, you know, movie structure and stuff like that, just for basic storytelling. No, and I, I think now it makes sense that you wrote a 432-page book and self-published it because you know how to write. Once you're, you're I, know, I know writer. how to write. <laughs> yeah, in fact, I was on a podcast two weeks ago and the guy actually had the hard copy of my book and he held it nice. up for the video. It's like, don't do that because it's, it's like the size of a phone book. Yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, and, it must and be let, huge. Let, let's face it, people don't like to read. It has a lot of infographics in it. Yeah. So it's one of the things that makes it, you know, it's got about 250 infographics. So, no, I, I uh, got to take a look at the book. I love reading. Uh, so yeah, I good, I'm glad you do. Some books. Uh, I need to go through, but I'll definitely look, uh, take a look at the book for sure now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So Henry, do you invest in real estate? I have invested in real estate. Um, I'm not currently invested in real estate, but we're, you know, uh, we're talking about it. My wife and I, uh, we just bought a new house. We bought this house in Connecticut. Um, we hadn't bought a house in almost 20 years uh, it was eye-opening it's this market is a little overheated things have <laughs> changed right in 20 it's, years it's well <laughs> I, I don't know about that the market when when we bought last time we bought was pretty overheated right um then the market fell apart when i when i was investing in real estate it was uh you know the 2000s the aughts yeah i wrote about it in my book it ended badly my uh my business partner committed suicide and oh my I god got sued by everybody and his kid brother um 
and then the mark then um the great recession came and the bottom dropped out of the real estate market so yep you know i've got some more stories there but i tell you what a lot of ways to make money in real estate a lot of ways to lose money but um but now with prices being a little high and just a little overheated money's cheap certainly um three percent mortgages you know my wife said that's high i'm like yeah. oh my god you, know, oh, you, like, you don't know the historical rate then <laughs> yeah well when you consider the first place that we bought 30 years ago and we've been together 32 years um it was seven and three quarters and i felt like i died and went to heaven with that rate because that was a good rate right three years ago um but now we've gotten spoiled Right. Yeah. Don't don't. Yeah, get, yeah. Anybody loans money for that for that little. I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's almost absurd. But, but they, they, they they lose money. Yeah. So you reminded me. I bought my first house in early two thousand seven. Still, market was heated here in Bay Area. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had two mortgages. The first one was six point two five. The wow. second was eight point two five. And this was five one armed. Thirty year fix was over like ten percent or something. <laughs> I had a five-one arm on the last house I bought. It was, it was, uh, it was, um, it was a uh, no-income verification. Uh, right. <laughs> a, mi a million-dollar mortgage, no-income verification. Wow. I'm wow. like, that's wow. That's really dumb. That that, that's what caused the entire thing, right? <laughs> you wonder why things ended badly. So. Right. Um, yeah, things are not so crazy now, but there's just, uh, you know, this, this house that we bought, there were 10 bidders within 24 hours. And the yeah. only reason we got it was we bid, we bid over ask. Oh, yes. And we paid cash. So those two things sealed the deal for us, right. but not everybody can do that. No, um, no. It's tough. I just read this morning that there was a house in DC. Mm -hmm. It sold 150K above asking and the asking wow. was only 450K in wow. cash and there were 76 all cash offers no <laughs> contingency 76 Six, total 88 oh, offers my god <laughs> so this is how overheated it is everywhere in us and uh, ah, it's crazy I, I don't know how it's gonna end but let's see let's <laughs> uh, ba badly would be my guess based on right. experience because anybody's out there who thinks that the market can only go up the first place that we bought um in new york city in 1992 we bought a loft in greenwich village and we paid three hundred thousand. i don't mind sharing the numbers it's ancient history but uh, we paid three hundred thousand dollars for that loft they needed a gut renovation it was like everything that we could do to scrounge together you know three hundred thousand dollars at 30 years old and uh they people had paid four hundred and fifty thousand in 1986 right bottom fell out of the new york real estate market and um yep. they took a huge haircut for that and I think they were happy to get out, um, really. So it, it it ebbs and flows. Yep. So what was your first investment and how did it work out? My very first investment, I was 17 years old. I was in high school. It was the 1970s. I bought um, 50 shares of Chrysler. Oh, okay. Motor and the reason I bought it was one, they were they were about to go bankrupt. <laughs> and Lee Iacocca came in and the government said they were going to backstop them and the price of the stock had gotten hammered. Right. And I said, well, if the government's going to backstop them, it's not going to go to zero. So right. maybe I can make a couple of bucks. And I made a couple of bucks. Um, but I got to tell you, it was very expensive to trade back in the day. 
Uh, you know, you had to trade through a broker, fifty dollar commission to every to buy. time you trade, buy and sell, right? fifty dollars yeah. to get out. And Merrill Lynch, odd lot charges. You know, things traded in eighths. That's twelve and a half cents. Wow. For those doing the math at home and uh, not pennies like it trades now. Now uh, I don't pay anything for commissions. You no, know, no. Uh, almost, zero. Uh, yeah, almost no brokerage is charging commission. And when I wrote right. my book, when I wrote the book, I guess it was the end of it was 2018 or whatever. At the time, they were still charging commissions that I wrote in the book. I said I said what's called right. slippage. The yes. cost of trading had got gotten close to zero. I said pretty, pretty soon it'll be zero. And then like a year later, it was zero. That's awesome. So let's talk about uh, financial intelligence. What is FQ? All right. So the my original idea was I wanted to teach financial literacy to like millennials and teenagers and stuff. I have a niece and a nephew. I was trying to teach them about money. And it was pretty much an abject failure. Uh, they weren't ready. I wasn't ready. And so I did a lot of research. I read a lot of books. There's a lot of stuff talking about financial literacy. And I'm thinking, what is literacy? Well, literacy is the ability to read or write. I said, well, that's only going to get you so far. What's right. intelligence? That's taking all the tools that you have and actually making smart decisions and creating new knowledge with it. So to me, it was a whole, you know, it was much bigger than just knowing the nuts and bolts, but really how to put it all together into a sustainable kind of a, your own personal financial philosophy that you could carry, you know, till the day you die. Um, Cause you're never going to get a break from money, right? It's, it's there every day of your life. Right. You never, you never get a day off. Maybe if you win the lottery, but even then you'll have to figure out what, how, where to invest your money and how to keep people from stealing it from you. So it's a 24 seven occupation. So you want to be intelligent <laughs> about the decisions you make. Oh, I, I can attest to that. I have made a lot of stupid mistakes in my investment journey, but I call so them as I. educational experiments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one grand rationalization <laughs> that we all go through, right? Yeah. It's like you buy a stock, it immediately plunges. Ah, I'm into exactly. it. I'm in it for the long haul. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Instead of just saying, oops, I think my research oops, was faulty. I, I made a mistake. <laughs> I better just get out, lick right. my wounds and live to fight another day. No, that, that's, a, that's a great advice. And that's exactly what I do every time I feel like I made a mistake. I'm just going to, you know, call it quits on that side and, and, and put it in my books that this was the lesson I learned. Right. So the next time I wrote I about a lot of lessons, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. a lot of like <laughs> really, really um, stuff that doesn't necessarily reflect so positive on me, but you know what, we're, uh, I'm, I'm here to talk about it. So I must've done something right somewhere along no, the that, line. That's great that you shared all your experiments and experiences in the book. So, Let's talk about how can one develop good FQ, financial intelligence? What are some of the steps you would say that they should take or what are some of the traits they should have? Well, first thing is you have to want it. So the reason that things didn't really work out well with my niece and my nephew is uh, they, they were sort of interested, but they really weren't going to do all the work. I see. Right? I mean, I manage their money for them, their money earned accounts, and I manage some some money for only for family men, members. And it's like, you know, 
my wife is like, why do you're so good at it? Why don't you manage money for other people? It's like, I don't want to get called every time the market has a hiccup. Yeah, because that's what happens. It's not worth the headache for me. Um, so they weren't they weren't in, in the right mental frame of mind um, to do the work. Uh, you know, I'm an old school boomer. I'm not I'm not going to go out there and write a book that says here are shortcuts for how you're going to do all this stuff. I think it's disingenuous. There's just no real shortcuts. You got to put the work in. So if you're going to put the work in, you got to want to do it. Yeah, you just have to. You have to be motivated. Um, and then you have to understand your own um, what, what I call the psychology of money. It's the very first chapter of my book, the psychology of money. Where, where are you on the spectrum? Are you living in scarcity? Are you living in abundance? Are you living somewhere in between? Or do you not have any idea where you're living, right? Or are you living right. paycheck to paycheck and you're not even thinking about it, right? You're just grinding through saying, how am I going to get through another week? How am I going to pay my mortgage? And I, I, right? I, I, sorry to interrupt, but I think that's a great point because you have to be hon honest with yourself. You do. A lot of time, Tough. you know, you are you are living on paycheck to paycheck or even on credit cards and you're like, oh, yeah, but I can afford this. Right. And that's the biggest problem we have in America. Uh, it's a huge, huge problem when you look at student debt. Yeah. I mean, I looked, I, I dove into all of those things, credit card debt, <laughs> student debt, in, interest rates. I'm not a big believer in, in personal debt, even though I just took out a mortgage. Yes, it's hard to buy a house. Um, with all cash, right? It is. It's tough for yeah. most people and not going to be able to do it. it. Is, I paid yeah. all cash. And then afterwards I did a mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. Just turn right. it around and get the mortgage. Yeah. The money was at 3%. Why right? wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, at the risk of, at the risk of sounding braggadocious over the last say 10 years, I've been averaging about 15% return on my money. So if I can borrow it for 3%, and get 15 even after i pay taxes on it i'm still i'm still out ahead yeah yeah that's right? called arbitraging right that that's the key right you got it's to called arbitrage. it's called opm other people's money <laughs> money that's another yeah right? yeah. <laughs> yeah arbitrage is a fancy term for it but basically right. it's opm other yeah, people's yeah. money um, and actually it's our money involved? right sure. the bank which is lending it's our money that's why they don't pay you any interest <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? when we put the money in the savings account it's 0.01 percent like, i get 10 yeah i get 10 basis points on my money exactly <laughs> it's almost a joke it's like why bother it's just yeah. messing up messing things up when i balance my checkbook so um so i think it's important that that when you start you think about your tendencies right um do you are you super frugal nothing wrong with that but then on the other side of the coin is, uh, if you're lucky, you're going to live 80 years, right? Right. You want to enjoy your money, right? What yeah. is your, what do you have it for? What do you go out and earn it for? Right. You, you, you do it so you can pay other people to do things for you. Right. Right. I mean, we're moving. Funny thing is we did most of the move ourselves. Um, wow. And we hired a professional to move the furniture and everything else. We, we moved ourselves, but this is the sixth time that we've moved in 32 years. So um, we've learned a lot. And each time right. we do it, we try to do it a little bit better. The last time we moved, we hired a guy and it was, it cost us way, 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 way more money than I ever wanted to spend. Um, so this, so we we're, we're always fighting the, the last war. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that again. 
right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to make the same mistakes. I want to make new mistakes. Right. right. Yes. It's called so, experience. What are some of the barriers in developing good FQ? I'm sorry. Say, say that again. What are some of the barriers uh, one would have in if they are trying to develop a good financial intelligence? Oh, what are some of the barriers? Um, most of the barriers are, are, are um, self-created, right? Uh, chasing the new trendy thing, right? I run a I run a mastermind in um, investing, so we've been talking about this GameStop stuff that went on with that stock. <laughs> we've been talking about SPACs, right? Oh, we've yes. been talking about Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yes. We've been talking about NFTs, non-fungible oh, yeah. tokens. Right In now, fact, I'm writing the... my uh, my April 1st uh, newsletter that I put out. So I'm going to write a little, I've been writing a little treatise on um, NFTs, right? So uh, no. Leave that for other people. Yeah. Just leave all of that stuff at the sideline. Real estate, great investment. Does it come with a lot of hair in the deal? Sure it does, right? Stocks, bonds, commodities. There are lots and lots of places. Find what you're interested in, right? I had a sit down a couple of years ago with a young young guy who buttonholed me at a conference. And so... We had dinner together and we're going, I'm going through all the various investment stuff. And he says, you know what? I really like real estate. I said, then do that. Right. Right. If that's what you're interested in. Now, what now talk about a barrier. What if you're not interested in any of it? Right. What if you just don't want to do it? I don't have an answer there. You can hire somebody to manage your affairs for you, but then you got to ask yourself some fundamental questions. Do they have my best interest at heart? Right. right. Are they going to, am I going to give them power of attorney? I know my parents told me some, some stories back in the crash of 87 with friends of theirs who'd given a broker power of attorney and he lost all their money. Wow. Their entire nest egg. They this authorized it. I don't trust the fund managers. You know, they never put their money where their mouth is. That's well, that's unless that's, they are investing their money. I wouldn't have made them my there. Piece. And the guys on TV, they're prohibited from investing. Yeah. Right? The Dorfman role. <laughs> so you'll see Jim Cramer. And I like Jim Cramer. In fact, yeah. was a, I used to see him on the street. He was a neighbor. He's an entertainer. But he's an entertainer. <laughs> he is forbidden from investing in any of the things he's talking about. Right. So that is entertainment. Now, yep. there's a lot to be learned. Like there, uh, I told this on a previous podcast. Uh, I've never heard of the company Lululemon. And I happened oh, to see wow. his show many years ago. And I'm like, what the heck is this company? And then I asked my wife and she just rolled her eyes. It's of like, course. where have you yeah. been? Yeah, where have you Almost been? Almost every woman knows about yeah. Lulu. I'm like, you know, you're a, you're a dope. And so I started doing some research and, and I bought their stock and I made some money on it. Wow. Now, I didn't buy it on his recommendation. I bought, I just, I had never heard of it. Um, and I wasn't a sector that I really had uh, had focused on. You know, I focused on pharmaceuticals and technology and and uh, telecom and other sort of stuff. Um, women's fashions? No, not really on my radar. But then I did the research and said, this is a really good company. They're making money. Let's, yep. let's buy that. So you know? that's uh, th that's great. So let me throw you a curveball because you no, mentioned about your <laughs> in investing mastermind and the newsletter. What are you because we know and as you and i discuss even before the podcast that real estate is at all-time high 
stock yep. market, everything is at all time high. What are you currently looking at in, to invest in, right? Or are you even going to invest in your future or you know, wait on the sidelines? Well, um, I, I've been moving to a, a higher than, I would say higher than normal cash position for the last several months. So, um, <clears throat> so I'm probably over 40% cash on my okay. portfolio now, which is pretty high. Uh, right. Last time I was that high um, was when Trump got elected. Um, <laughs> I I was pretty bearish on that. And yeah, you know me too. And it, I, it backfired on me. <laughs> I, I left some money on the table. I'll be I'll be the first to admit. Yeah, I did. I still did fine. Um, I don't really compare my returns to to the market returns. My my returns are the returns that I'm trying to make, not what some arbitrary index is trying to do. I couldn't care less. Uh, I want to make, you know, this amount of money at this level of risk. So I determine that. Um, but when things are frothy like this, when everything is really overbought in, in whether it be real estate or commodity, you know, gold went up to, to uh, close to 2000 bucks. Right. Right. You know, I have physical gold. I probably should have sold it. Um, but I didn't. Right. It's, you know, the gold coins. Um, I'll let them sit for a while because because if I sell them now, I got to reinvest them into something else. Yes. Um, so there's an old saying that you can't time the market. And, uh -huh. and I didn't. And I disagree with a lot of those types of sayings. Um, I would I would say it's really, really difficult to time the market. But as a trader, that's all you're ever doing. Right. <laughs> that's you're you're attempting to do it you are trying, Problem yeah. is it's tough yeah right you want to you know you want to buy low and sell high or you want to sell high and cover low right there's money to be made on both sides of the trade um but for now i've been pretty neutral kind of waiting for the new administration to shake out um kind of waiting for coronavirus to shake out a bit um you know, I'm a little worried about inflation. I'm a little worried about um, interest rates popping a bit. I just had a conversation with one of my coaching clients today about that. He's about to build a very, very expensive house. And it's like, you know, you may want to think about locking in that low rate now. Right. Because we've printed $5 trillion in the last 12 months. Right. Think yeah. about that. That wasn't, those weren't, that wasn't raised by taxes. That was printing presses running 24 That's hours just a day. because we have infinite money. Yeah, we have infinite <laughs> money. But somewhere along the line, now, you know as well as I do that most of that money is going to get sucked up by the 0.001%. I know yep. that sounds cynical. That's how but it, that's did, exact, it works. But, that, but that's how it works. <laughs> they are they are the, the government prints it out and they have this giant vacuum cleaner. Yeah. And these billionaires will suck all of that money up. But even if they suck up 90% of it, that's still $500 billion floating out there in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, when you have a return of demand, when people stop hunkering down and start going back to restaurants Again, yes. and start going on trips, everybody is just jonesing to go on a trip. Yes. Uh, they want to go somewhere and they're going to go spend wait. money. <laughs> so that, you know, that increase in demand, um, that will have an impact. Look, I, I went to buy some two by fours for this new house. I was on a, I was on a podcast with a guy who actually built, you know, develops real estate. And I said, uh, they were five bucks. I said, the last time I bought a two by four, which was a few years ago, they were two bucks. And he said, yeah, well, look, look at the price of lumber. Right. $1,000 oh, for, 
for a thousand more than feet. doubled in a year yeah, from more last than March to this March because we are trying to so we are we bought 18 lots we are trying to build my uh, builder friend and I we are trying mm -hmm. to build houses yep and we bought uh, bought the lots from March to to uh, by September sure. and we saw the lumber price go crazy <laughs> like crazy it's crazy it. crazy we want to do an addition <laughs> and add to the deck and it's sort of like do I really uh, do I really want to pay that price? But then you ask yourself, is anybody putting a gun to my head that says I have to do this? Right. Or is this just me with some, you know, pent up demand here? Is but the way it, I look yeah. at it is I can wait. Yeah. I can wait for the market to shake out. Right? Right. Same thing with the stock market. The stock market's overheated. I can wait for for a, a correction. Keep my powder dry and, you know, wait, wait for uh, good companies to go on sale. Like, awesome. why not? Yeah, you know, I think that's a great strategy. So let's take a quick break. And after the break, we'll go through the same questions I ask every guest. All right. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S.com. Welcome back to Wealth Matters Podcast. Henry just shared some golden nuggets on what is financial intelligence and how can one develop good FQ. Henry, are you ready for five round? It's the lightning round. Let's do it. Would you be changing any business or investment strategy after this pandemic is over? Um, yeah, I think I, um, I'm actually going to get my real estate license soon. Oh, okay. And um, I think... Um, when we when we see the uh, real estate market pull back a little bit, which I think is an eventuality, mm -hmm. as markets always do, um, I think we'll go look look for a, a fixer upper. My That's wife awesome. and I. Favorite real estate or finance or any other related book. Um, I like Peter Lynch, One Up on Wall Street. It's, okay. a, it's an older book, uh, but it's the first book that I tell people to read. Uh, Mel Keel's uh, Random Walk. Down Wall Street, another another good book. Um, real estate book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, right? Of course, yeah, Almost of course. Everyone recommends that. <laughs> Everybody recommends that one. It's something I read. It's I don't a know, classic. I think, yeah, I think I was still in short pants when uh, when, I, uh, right. when I read that. Millionaire Next Door, <laughs> That's another a great, great book. book. Too. Another yeah. great book. These are bread and butter books, right? These are the really basic building blocks. This stuff is where you got to you start. Yeah. yeah, this is where you're going to start. Any tool or website you recommend or you cannot live without? Any tool or website that I, wow. I mean, there's so many of them. Uh, yeah. You know, I use, um, I use schedule once for, okay. you know, for all my meetings. Yeah, like I use, Calendly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Calendly, but I think schedule once is better. Um, you know, I use pipe drive for CRM. Uh -huh. I use, um, I use uh, something called HelloSign to do my contracts. Yes. It's like a DocuSign yeah, thing, DocuSign, but, it's, yeah. but it's much cheaper. It's like $13 a month or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, there's so many SaaS products that are, I use Meet Edgar to, to populate the world with my um, you know, social media stuff. So if I do a blog post, I can go and use Meet Edgar and I can send it out to LinkedIn and oh, Facebook yeah. and all that stuff automatically. So there's tons of cool stuff. And a lot of them are just, you know, a couple bucks a month. I just cut the cord, actually, because this new house has no wire in it. And uh, I said, let's see what happens if we cut the cord. So I'm using Hulu 
and Fubo. I'm testing all these things out. And I tell you what, I don't miss cable TV. This is this is like yeah. really this is really cool. I can get it on every single device. Yeah. I couldn't do that before. Exactly, and I can watch whenever I want without yep. worrying about recording it. This is always available. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, any advice for beginner investors? Um, again, old school approach. Do your homework, right? So, read some of the basic books. You can go out and you know, if you just Google best books to read to get started in finance, and you'll, you know, we just mentioned a couple of them. There's probably a bunch more. Think about your risk tolerance, right? Number one, right? As I've said a bazillion times before, I could teach you how to trade in the stock market, no problem. However, if you're too timid or too worried about losing money and, are, and can't get over the hurdle of ever placing a trade, it's kind of a waste of time, <laughs> right? <laughs> if you wanna yep. learn a skill, you're gonna you need to be able to use that skill. Um, and that, that takes time. Yeah, I agree. How do you give back? Um, I do, we do a lot of philanthropic stuff, my wife and I. Um, we're more, more apt to donate our time and our skill. Um, so she does, she does a whole bunch of different stuff. I've done Habitat for Humanity. Um, I've done lots of things. Uh, when the pandemic um, struck last year for April, May, and June, I opened up my coaching practice for free to anybody. Nice. I put it out on a couple of networks. I did, uh, I think, 100 phone calls I did over those three months with all sorts of different people. And, uh, and I did it, you know, out of the goodness of my heart. I wasn't looking to convert anybody into a client. It was like, come in and talk. If you want to make another call, some people I had multiple calls with. Um, I think they appreciate it. It's good karma. That's awesome. How can my listeners reach out to you? Um, my website is DAS Knowledge, D-A-A-S Knowledge. Uh, so if you go on that site, if you click the little button at the top that says get my help, you can schedule a strategy session. Um, I offer podcast listeners a free month of coaching. So um I'll send you all the links and stuff to put in the show notes. But if you go to podcast.dosknowledge.com, uh, there's a landing page there. And we can talk about entrepreneurial coaching. We talk about money, whatever you want for a month. You know, four sessions, free, no obligation, no expectation of um, converting you into a paying client. Um, it's just something I do. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Henry. I enjoyed the episode. Me too. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.